Hey everyone, welcome to the Her Influence podcast. We just felt that it would be a great time for Vanessa and Caitlin and I to pop on to this podcast and bring you an episode that was full of really some great encouragement for you in this time of extreme uncertainty. We can't even imagine what some of you are feeling in this day and age where things have changed literally overnight for you. And so we are here to encourage you. We want to bring you some real stories of what we're experiencing, but some words of encouragement as you navigate the waters in this day and age. So we're excited that we can be with you. We're going to actually be talking about three things today. We're going to be talking about fear, isolation, and powerlessness. And if you check yes to each of those things that, okay, I'm feeling those things, then this is the podcast for you. We just want to serve you the best way we can. We want to encourage you. We want to be real with you. And we want to let you know that we are here for you. And we'd love you to listen in. And we'll chat after the podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to the Her Influence Podcast calling women to rise in purpose and influence your world with real voices, bold words, and whole hearts. The Her Influence podcast is created on behalf of Gather Women by Women in Canada for women everywhere to rise in their leadership influence wherever they are planted. We are grateful for our sponsor partnership for Season 3, Horizon College and Seminary, a center of learning dedicated to prepare leaders for Christian life and ministry, located in Saskatoon. Horizon is launching two amazing initiatives in fall of 2020, a Master of Arts in Ministry Leadership, a program that equips both seasoned and aspiring leaders by combining theological studies, leadership training, and hands-on learning, and in partnership with Sisterhood YXE and Lead Women, a women's cohort designed to provide women with a graduate education in ministry leadership that empowers them to bring transformational change to their churches, communities, and world with full or part-time and geographical flexibility. Find out more at horizon.edu. And now, here are your hosts, Kathy Ostapchuk, Vanessa Hoyes, and Caitlin Say. So I'm here with Vanessa and Caitlin, our Her Influence podcast co-hosts, and I'm Kathy Ostapchuk. And we just thought that we would take this moment in time, this Kairos moment to pop on and share some words with you, some words of our experience, individual and collective, what we're sensing, what we're feeling. Caitlin is out there in the prairies in, in Saskatchewan, and her reality might be a little bit different than mine because I'm in Toronto, which is the highly most highly populated city and most highly populated province. So what's it like for me here? And then Vanessa's there in Montreal and her reality is that she's got uh, lots of roles that she's carrying and four amazing girls that are home with her. And so the things that she's navigating um, are different. So we thought that our collective experiences and our collective encouragement might be helpful to you today, understanding that we may just be at the beginning of a long haul. And so we wanted to give you something that you could kind of come back to in the weeks to come and say, hey, I heard this truth and I can focus back there. But we're going to be very real today. And so I wanted to check in with you girls and maybe start with you, Caitlin. What is life like for you out in the prairie since this thing broke? 
Sure. Well, yeah, what an amazing time, really. I don't think we've ever seen anything like it. It's uh, an incredible opportunity to be hope. And I think we're all feeling that. I think that's a similarity, no matter where we are in the country, that people are um, wanting hope and encouragement, that there's sort of a sense of of this um, this fear. So personally, last weekend, I was supposed to be speaking at a conference in, in Calgary. And, um, you know, things have changed so quickly. So I flew there and that was last Thursday. And, uh, and then a couple hours after landing, found out this conference was canceled. And then you kind of begin to feel the gravity of, of what's happening really right, right across the country. And, um, so I spent some, some days there in Calgary and, and cases were increasing, spent some time with my sister there, um, and actually caught a cold there myself. And so, um, this, this kind of self-isolating phenomena that so many of us are facing. I'm, I'm right in there with you. Um, but you know, ultimately I'm amazed at the ways the churches are really coming together, um, to care for one another, to care for the church and to be a voice of courage and hope, um, here in Saskatchewan, right across um, the prairies. And I know that's happening across the nation. And that's a really exciting thing for me to see and be part of. Thanks so much. So you are isolated, not only because that's the command, but you're not feeling that well. And right. this sense of having things that you were really looking forward to canceled is a real one. <laughs> well, that's true too. I mean, um, yeah, work with uh, Inspire Teams, our, our youth ministry that I direct. And we had events that we you know were in full-blown planning mode, fundraising mode, and everything's just at a bit of a standstill. It's almost as if the world has entered, uh, you know, a state of, of uh, Sabbath of stop um, in some cases. And then in other cases, it's a, it's a crisis mode and uh, we need to be praying for our leaders in this time. Oh, what a good word. How about you, Vanessa? What's your life swirling in ways that you could not have imagined even a week ago? Well, it's, you know, first thing in the morning in Eastern Standard Time, and it's been a few hours already of, uh, yes, at some points, crisis management, at other points, um, leaning into moments because the kids are home and we were just on with our uh, remotely with our key team from our local church, Resurgent Church. And we were just saying last week, we just reviewed the first quarter in terms of just a, some strategic stuff and set some goals for like the next three months. And seven days later, we're like, we were just looking at all those things that were not even on our radar in these, this seven days later, that whole thing needs to be completely reassessed based on just what happened in seven days. So we actually just had a um, team meeting to say, how have you adapted to change? Like, cause for some people change is like, let's go. And other people change that's forced on them is, is resisted. And so um, we really just processed what's been going on as far as change goes in our own lives and how quickly that's happened. So so my world definitely just immediately changed. Now we were overseas, so we'd felt it a while ago, um, you know, over the last few months. And of course, church leaders and friends all around the world, we'd watched this in other countries. So actually a few weeks ago, having seen what we were seeing, my husband got up in front of um, our a church service and had a panic attack like actually had a panic attack in public 
based on what he'd been feeling and carrying, but Canada wasn't feeling yet and our people weren't feeling yet. And so we were just talking about how he was carrying something as a leader that our people weren't yet feeling. So they were kind of looking at like, what are you panicking about? You know, what do you, what's this feeling about? But we'd been carrying a different weight already on that. So that happened. Um, my girls watched that happen. And then they started to experience the reality of that as school shut down. So yeah, we're just, we're navigating day by day, literally schedules, um, what to do, how to work full time from home, keep an organization going, um, look at income streams, assess your own budget. Um, do you know, like genuinely like shopping and then not shopping, trying to be wiser just in case there's some lean season, talking to the kids about that without invoking fear, them not knowing from their schools what's really happening, genuinely people in our congregation losing jobs already and yet in the midst of it just seeing like um, unusual favour and the God stories and um, celebrating those moments for people as well and how can the church keep being the church, how can my neighbours who have shut down their businesses this week how can I continue to love them and in what ways? So very real for all of us in so many different ways. But I feel a heart of people. I'm a nine on the Enneagram. So I feel it all. And then I could go to sleep, but I shouldn't go to sleep. So I don't go to sleep. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and it is so different when you have a kingdom mindset because when you don't, you are really concerned about how am I going to survive and how can I buy more toilet paper and that sort of thing. But those of us that are in ministry, we are concerned about the other. And as a four in the Enneagram, I feel a little bit of guilt because I have a nice environment here at home. My daughter's working from home. My husband's working from home and we all have our separate space. And my daughter is into essential oils. So we have diffusers in every room and <laughs> I've got daffodils in my office and it's, it's very beautiful and we can get out for a walk and we have big windows and I'm feeling, oh, I wish everybody was taken care of. I, I want everybody to feel that this can be a wonderful Sabbath, but the reality is that it's not that way. There are people fighting for survival. And so mm -hmm. I think, Vanessa, you spoke to the complexity of this situation and the extremes that we can all experience. It's not the same for everybody. So when we think about some things that we can address that may be across the board, so fear, isolation, and a sense of powerlessness, what words of encouragement can we give individually and collectively to anybody who's listening in this time that may just be waiting for a word to drop into their hearts from God <laughs> maybe through us to say, okay, I can make it another day or I can strategize a plan or I can surrender control or I have access to resources this way. So I just thought that we would lean in together and bring our collective insight to the room and to the nation. And I wanted to start with you, Caitlin. Um, actually, I wanted to start with Vanessa, sorry, talking about this word fear because it's the word that pops up in the news reports, it's the word that pops up in our own hearts when we're thinking about what am I sensing, what am I feeling? So I just wanted you to speak into that sense of fear, that that very real emotion of fear, 
and bring some real grounding and truth to that. Uh, it's such an honor to be on today with you girls. And again, feeling the pulse across our nation is so different in so many different places. Um, that, yeah, that has been interesting for me. I, I um, coach a bit more therapeutically than maybe the average just with a counseling background. So actually I've been even looking at the difference between fear and even just anxiety, the the way anxiety is being expressed right now. But I would say personally, um, a promise to speak into that before I maybe talk about what's what's going on would be um, just in Isaiah, a reminder from God. And it's I love the um, the voice translation, paraphrase version, and it says, um, remember who created you, who shaped you. See, you have nothing to fear. I who made you will take you back. I've chosen you. I've named you as my own. When you face stormy seas, I will be there with you with endurance and calm. You will not be engulfed in raging rivers. If it seems like you're walking through fire with flames licking at your limbs, keep going. You won't be burned because I, the eternal one, am your God. I am the holy one of Israel and I will save you. Um, In another translation, Isaiah 43 just says, be alert and be present because I'm doing something brand new. Um, It's bursting out. There it is. I'm making a road through the desert and rivers in the badlands. And I have had a sense that fear, um, it comes so close to us when we just can't see what God's doing. We just can't see the new new, and um, fear feels like there's play this out is there hope at the end of it. Um, And the reality is for the fears that I think many of what our, our world is facing right now is they're trying to track out where that fear, if you take in coaching, you say, we'll follow that fear all the way to the end of that reality. And so what? And so what? And so what? And you keep asking that question. And so what? Until they get as far as they can with nearly an acceptance that even if that worst fear happened, and so what? And they, it's nearly like an acceptance. But what's happening with these particular fears is like there's no um, landing place for anything that's stable. So you can't do the and so what and so what because this change is being forced upon people in unprecedented rates and ways and you you could plan something or track it out or get hope for where that fear could go and how solution could come, which coaching is all about solution but there's so much less that you can control of those external circumstances. So, so the practice for me is actually saying, and so what if it all changed or it was all gone or it was all lost, what new thing is God trying to do? And so we could call that faith. But the reality is I want to call it something new. Like I feel like it's how do we see the, the pathway through the wilderness 
and the wastelands that does feel like is happening right now. So, um, so, and I'm asking of myself to be real with those emotions. Sometimes with fears, we don't want to express what they are, but we actually have to get further down into our processing and go, why do I feel that? Why am I being triggered? Where is that coming from? And take the time, not that we all have a lot more time. Some people think it's Sabbath time and other people have more going on than ever before. But I'm trying to ask myself layers of questions. Why does that fear trigger me? If that makes sense. And where's that trigger coming from? And how can I invite the new even into those deep places in what feels like a little a season of wilderness and wasteland that feels like new and fresh in it. So um so I'm saying be real, be honest, say what you're really fearing, and then add this sense of what if new were to come out of this. So that's how we're trying to process I'm trying to do that with my teenagers, my team, our world, coaching clients, congregation, and ask those questions, what's new in this season for you? And that kind of brings fresh air. Yeah. I learned a lot just from listening to that. Not the what if, but what is new? What is something new that can be brought into this seemingly uh, dry desert, um, stuck season. So thank you so much for those words, Vanessa. And as you're talking, I'm praying that those that are listening are going to find something helpful as I just did. I made some notes there. And so thank you for that. And so Caitlin, I'm just wondering if you could speak some words of encouragement in reality into this whole concept of isolation. Well, I also really appreciate, Vanessa, your perspective on on the what is new. And um, Kathy, you talk about this a lot in your coaching work, just being on the lookout for possibilities all the time, having that mindset that um, the default is almost to look for the new possibilities that God could be opening up. And that mindset is such a powerful thing to carry. And so um, it's interesting talking about isolation when that is where I find myself. And there's probably some others who are listening and they're uh, right in that that space with me so um here we go uh it will will be okay the interesting thing about isolation is that um, i think a lot of times we equate it with loneliness and we think that to be isolated means to be lonely but i actually think it's very important for us to understand that before any of this happened um in canada we we are facing a loneliness epidemic (laughs) And, um, you know, statistically, our people are remarkably lonely. And so you can be surrounded by a sea of people and be plagued with loneliness and not know how to find um, comfort and relief in that. And I think that's why um, so many of us fall into running to all kinds of different things to help us feel better um, and, and not have to face loneliness. And the interesting thing about isolation um, is that isolation simply means to be set apart and um, loneliness is sadness because you don't have company. They're not the same. And uh, it's interesting because God actually calls us in 
to isolation in certain seasons of life. And he talks about the benefits of being isolated, of actually being set apart with him. And uh, I've been looking around. I was through the, the Calgary International Airport on my way back to Saskatchewan. And, you know, there were there was so much um, hand washing and hand sanitizer and there's masks and there's these these kind of barriers um, or these preventative measures that people are taking. And sometimes I think that isolation is almost like it's, it, it can be a healthy barrier actually, or um, a boundary that we can draw when we need to withdraw. And Jesus did that. He taught us how to do that in the scriptures. He often went to a lonely place to pray and to be with God. And there he found um, direction and uh, identity. He knew who he was and what he was called to do. I think of even Mark 1.35, where he went away, went alone to pray. He comes back then, re-enters, re-engages the world. And he knows where he needs to go. And he says, we're going on to the next town. And um, I just think those times... Um, actually protect us of spending that time alone with God so that we don't uh, suffer from that, that deep loneliness that so, so many do, um, that just comes from disconnection. And so, um, you know, by taking advantage of opportunities we might have in isolation to be alone with God, to allow him to declare who we are and what we are purposed to do and to really silence distractions, um, that can be an enormous gift that then is almost like, you know, the hand washing and the masks, like um, we are protected and we enter back into relationship in a healthy, connected way where we're, we know our identity. We know who we are and what we're about, um, what we're purposed to do. Fear falls off, you know, um, in the presence of, of God and when we're really um, seeking his voice. But it sure, it sure can be an uncomfortable thing for us um, because we, we have so much noise, more noise than ever before. And we can actually be addicted to noise and activity and things and people. And so um, to kind of settle in to quiet can be a difficult thing, but our, our souls are hungry for it. And so, um, you know, there are many people right across Canada finding themselves in, uh, in isolating isolation. And, uh, it would be my prayer that God would meet them there in, in a life changing way. And sometimes we don't, we don't enter into it unless it is sort of a forced thing, um, because the, the world is busy and life keeps going. But, um, for every every person who's getting some extra minutes and hours of maybe alone quiet, may God fill those moments with new direction and new vision and clarity about um, priorities and purpose in this time. Um, I just pray that out of this season, as as the church reemerges, you know, as as um, we come out of this, and we will, Canada, um, and as we do that. So many individuals in the church are strengthened in purpose and in calling um, because of the disruption in normal life that there's just um, an explosion of, uh, of kingdom uh, initiatives and uh, efforts and partnerships and um, appreciation for one another. And I'm really believing that that's coming. So uh, my big encouragement is not to confuse lo loneliness and isolation and really to, if you're one like me, um, spending some time with closed doors, uh, that, that God would really meet you there and um, that you would appreciate that time with him. That's such a stunning spin on 
isolation, not being loneliness, because maybe the fear, if we're talking about fear, the fear for a lot of people is that I don't want to be lonely. And so it's kind of feeding off of that fear. But the passages in scripture where God actually woos people into the desert to have that alone time and that it's a protection as well is such a beautiful shift of perspective. Yes, it's interesting, Kathy. I've had several friends tell me they're not afraid of getting the virus. They're afraid of being alone for 14 days. And uh, it's, it's true. Sometimes it's the, it's the discomfort of, um, of being alone, but being willing to enter into those spaces. It's interesting. Um, Psalm 4610 says, be still and know that I am God. And in the, in the Hebrew, the be still, it literally means let go of your grip. And um, there's this place of surrender sometimes in the desert that's uncomfortable. And so, you know, no wonder um, something a lot of people aren't used to, um, but to trust God, to enter in with him, knowing his good heart and that he will bring good things. It's a powerful place for us to stand as sons and daughters of the king. Right. So it really depends on your belief in the goodness of God rather than your belief uh, in the power of the pandemic to right. isolate us. So Vanessa, would love to hear some of your thoughts on what Caitlin just shared. Yeah, I think this is amazing. I love moments like this because in, pre- in preparing the three of us across our nation, just literally text one another with one text, feeling to share this with the women of our nation and beyond for this moment, interrupt the normal podcast way we were doing. And like, literally this was my this sense was, okay, this is, is this a wilderness or is this a wasteland? Like what is this season? And so just to dive back into that scripture, I had done a little bit of study and um, there was a difference between the wilderness talked about in these scriptures in Isaiah and the wastelands and the wilderness had um, like good thick pasture land, but it was too rough to sustain herds. So they could graze there but not live there. So it was actually hard to find your way through, which is why God had to make a path through wilderness. So imagine it's like the thick, um, the thicket, like the scrub that he had to make the pathway. And wilderness is never a place you're meant to inhabit because mm. you can lose your way there. And so I'm imagining loneliness can feel like wilderness but the wasteland, which just feels like unused, like this is a pathway, the wasteland in these scriptures was actually um, a different pathway. It was waste tracks on both shores of the Dead Sea. Um, it was like a desert and water felt a bit was scarce there, of course. But wandering tribes could go that way instead of trying to go through the wilderness. And so a wasteland was more like hiddenness, dry, um, solitary, temp, like, like a, you know, like a season of waiting. And so I think it's important for us to go, what does feel like wilderness and what feels like wasteland? But what if in the wasteland, those tracks that we don't usually use in our life that feels wasted and why would we go that way? What if in those, that pathway we're taking, there's something new to discover because we can't get through the thickness? Because mm-hmm. I don't think God wants us lost in this, therefore lonely. 
I think he wants us to use the isolation or the newness for new, fresh, innovative ways. When we walk that pathway, we're seeing the land differently. And so I keep imagining in this season, what is God showing us that is new and fresh for the re-emerging and the traveling through? Because we're not stopping. We're just still on this journey. We're just doing it differently from a different perspective right now. So, yeah, so I feel like God's saying the same thing to all of us. Love that. Fresh tracks. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much about the desert that really is a beautiful place in scripture, but we just tend to say we don't want to go there because there's no water, there's no life, but it's so defining. And so I love this truth that I'm hearing for both of you. And I just want to talk about the sense of powerlessness. And, you know, (laughs) to Caitlin's point, I was already ramped up for April and May because they were big months for me. And I was just like, okay, April, January, February, March work really hard because all of these amazing, fun things, the speaking things, the traveling things, they're happening in April and May. And to have them canceled, it's just like, no, no, can't be. But powerless over that. And then the other interesting thing is that my husband went off to work and I thought, well, he can send his staff home. They can work from home, but they actually sent him home. So (laughs) he's working from home. They're holding down the fort. And I'm powerless over that because I'm I'm at risk of being on demand 24-7 here and in my house. And so those are just a couple really little examples. And they're all relative to what looks like powerlessness or pain for you. So I don't want to trivialize it, but I'm thinking about my grandson who was all smiles and giggles and laughs until he turned two. And all of a sudden, those toddler twos, you become this person that you want to take your power back. You're no longer, you know, being fed uh, just when somebody else thinks it's a good idea. You want what you want when you want it. And in a very real sense, we're so used to living our lives like, you know, these toddlers. Like we want, we want to own our lives. We're not mature enough to handle a lot of it, but we want the power. And, you know, for these little guys, you've been okay with the things that the way they've been since birth, getting your needs met when you need them. But all of a sudden you realize, okay, I'm independent. I'm all grown up and I want it this way. And you start to take that power and you start to think you have a right to certain things. And I think very much we're people who derive our sense of worth by how much power, how much control we have over our own lives. So when we lose that, we become powerless about things that change our lives that we didn't choose. And so I think we've got some options. We've got different ways that we can choose to respond. The first way that many of us respond, very much like that little toddler, is we want to take that power back. And sometimes the only way we know how to do that is by persuasion or manipulation or even bullying. And we pride ourselves that, you know, I can do it all by myself. And we shake our fist in defiance at the powers that be. For some of us, we shake our fist at God even. It's like, God, really? You're messing with my life? And we say, how dare you? And we begin taking control of the things that we can, whether it's appropriate for us to do it or not. Thus, the toilet paper runs. So if I have all the toilet paper, I own the keys to the kingdom. I win. I'm in control. I get there first. I get there before you. But if we or someone we love gets sick, 
then what? Toilet paper won't cure us. So we find our power and we place our trust in what the medical professionals say. And we think that doing everything right will save us. If we listen to the right news channels, if we hear the right professional on any given day say, do this, do that, how to wash your hands for how, how long. But what if we do everything right and it doesn't save us? What if bad things still happen? Or what if we are powerless to help those that we love in this season because of distance or self-isolation? So my sister is in Edmonton and she's battling stage four cancer each and every day. Her life looks so different than mine and she's isolated. She's there alone. She's still working, but she comes home alone and I'm totally powerless to go be with her or to bring her here into my world because her doctors are there. Her treatment is there. Her world is there. And so then what? I have no power over that situation. So it's not really a great tactic to get our power from other people, the experts, or by taking control of things that can be taken from us, like our freedom to go and buy all the toilet paper or believing that our cash reserve won't run out if we are working or that the medical system will magically make people I love well or that they're going to come up with a virus overnight probably won't happen. So at some point we realize we're not really in control at all. And I think that's the first step to actually being free. <laughs> the second reaction to feeling powerlessness is going to the other extreme and actually just burying our head in the sand and crawling into bed with the covers pulled up over our head and pretending that when we wake up, it's all been a bad dream. I mean, honestly, I got home from the States last Wednesday and by Friday, things had started to shut down in 48 hours. And my first response was denial. And I think we deny in situations we can't control. We just say, it's not real. It's not true. It's not really happening. Everything's going to be okay. And that is not an appropriate reaction. The reality is that even when we're on the other side of this, that it's going to be different for a long time. There'll be new adjustments in the way we live, our patterns, our freedoms, and what we've come to expect to date as our privileges will be different. Many of those privileges privileges may no, no longer be available to us. So what's the appropriate response when we feel powerless? What should my response be? I think this option three, the third way, is a total surrender with appropriate strategy. So at some point, you have to literally let the outcome go. Before that movie, Frozen, <laughs> some of us didn't have language, but now we do. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. You expected that life would roll on with its ups and downs, but that generally would not be worse off than anyone else. And then this, what you never expected, but what is real and how it will end is something you can't control let it go. Total surrender because you were never in control anyway. And I think that's some of the myth that we've been living our lives by is that we actually thought we were. There is someone who is, and that's our hope. And I think of Moses' mother, Yochebed. I love this girl. She's putting Moses in the water. She is the, the woman who just said, I know how to let it go, girls. I'm doing it. It's my most precious possess- possession. It's my son. And he's a precious commodity because all of the other small sons 
are having their lives extinguished. He's my precious thing. I'm letting him go. But at the same time, she's strategizing. As she weaves that basket, one weave at a time, one day in at a time, trying to keep Moses quiet so that he's not heard, he's not seen, she's got a plan hatching. She's doing due diligence. She's disciplining herself to every day, I'm going to put another weave in this basket. I'm going to follow through on this plan. I'm going to do what I know to do. Even though I really don't have control, I'm surrendering, but I'm strategizing. And I love Psalm Psalm 91. I think it was the Psalm that came into everybody's eyesight through 9-11. And I think it's being resurrected as a Psalm now that's just beautifully positioned to encourage us. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Because he loves me, says the Lord, because she loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue her. I will protect her, for she acknowledges my name. She will call on me and I will answer her. I will be with her in trouble. I will deliver her and honor her with long life. I will satisfy her and show her my salvation. And then, of course, one of my favorites, Psalm 121, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. So for me, I think it's choosing to be totally surrendered to the outcome and to have a strategy in place in the meantime. And, you know, I I think so many of us early on had expectations of life, but we realize we don't really have control over the outcome. So we don't, sometimes our expectations turn into reality, sometimes they don't, but we realize the outcome is what we have to surrender. But where we do have the choices and the opportunities are the is in the space in between our expectations and the outcome. So we've been gifted human free will to make positive choices in the face of adversity, in the middle of it, in the now. We can see the opportunities, I think, to Vanessa's point, not as a chance to gain for ourselves, but for something new. To see the people in our world um, in a new light, to see our ability to serve them in a new way, to offer hope and a vision of the future. So it's a chance to serve more, reflect more, make the big changes in our life that we've been putting off thinking, oh, if only I had more time, this is your chance (laughs) to realign, reposition, reflect, and focus less on how will it end, but maybe who am I becoming and how can I serve? And I think this season for all of us is about our character This season is is about our influence and what we feel God may be calling us to. So perhaps in this season of surrender and strategizing, he's calling you to be brave love in your family and in your community by virtual encouragement, by sending notes of encouragement by mail, helping those who are vulnerable. Um, I think the question for all of us is, do we really know what to do to be wise, to get our house in order, to get our hearts in order, to get our heads in order? Because I really believe there may be days ahead when you and I may be called to rise, 
when others have despaired and hope wanes, some will rise and some will fall. And I think for anybody listening, I would just say, be that girl. Focus on that. Realign your God-given power, authority, and positioning from the creator who destined you for days like this. And I I think we know what to do on ordinary days. We know what to do on ordinary days in Saskatchewan and in, in Ontario and Quebec. You know, we can do the ordinary. But in days like this, who's going to rise? Who's going to give the leadership? Go back to Psalm 139. Remember that you're fearfully and wonderfully made for purpose. For you formed my innermost parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will give thanks and praise to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was formed in secret and intricately and skillfully formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book all were written the days that were ordained and appointed for me, when as yet there was not one of them even taking shape. And so I think this idea of ordination is huge. Even before we walked into this season, we had an ordination, a plan, a strategy, a placement of our steps. And maybe, just maybe, we're meant to call out that purpose and destiny in the lives of others. Instead of reminding them that they don't control anything, which is true, there's somebody who does, and who's someone, someone who still has a purpose and destiny that won't be thwarted. So for my encouragement, I would say, be that girl, stand tall, stand tall, surrender, and strategize. Do what you can, where you can, to serve others with a humble confidence. Give some toilet paper or Lysol wipes away, because I can't find anywhere, <laughs> anything anywhere, but online, where are the Lysol wipes? Somebody has them. So if somebody wants to drop some off to me, I won't say no. But don't make things that can be taken from you feed your hunger to have power or control over the situation. Give your power away. Empower others to put their future and their hope in a sovereign God. And then breathe because you do know that you're free. You're not powerless, but I think you are always fully empowered to influence. And so this scripture um, that I think all of us could use in our situations from 2 Timothy 1.7, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity or cowardice or fear, but he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of sound judgment and personal discipline. These are abilities that result in a calm, well-balanced mind and self-control. So that right there is your strategy. That's so good. That's so good, Kathy. I love the challenge to be, to be surrendered and strategizing. Mm-hmm. And you think of the verse that talks about, you know, we, we plan our steps, but God directs our path. And so just to be able to, um, have adaptability in this season. And like we've said, there's so many changes. Every day things are changing. And um, so to be able to just seek God's face daily and um, to let go, I think that's a big message I'm hearing from all of us today is that there is actually power. We are most powerful when we will surrender and let go of the things we've been grasping onto and grasp onto Jesus himself. It's beautiful. Thank you. Oh, thanks, Caitlin. Any closing thoughts, Vanessa? 
honestly, it was it it was powerful. Like that's a word. It felt like you were giving power to us, empowering us just with that wisdom. So took a million notes and <laughs> like texting myself. Um and so I think that's just I would end with my my piece on it as you asked me to speak into this fear is um I had just written down a few key practical things. Um, celebrate the wins. Keep looking for the wins. You know, there are just a few W's. Keep looking for the wins. Um, acknowledge where your worth comes from. You've just told us to do that. Um, re, redefine your why. Always in mystery. You can't, you just have to know your own why like why am I here like why am I here on the planet what is my why for my life because your god-given mission can be expressed in any season wilderness wasteland isolation do you know powerlessness there's a sense of your why and um who are your people I love that just keep defining who your people are um no, this is just a waiting season. That's it. Just a waiting, like the earth is groaning and waiting for redemption. And this feels like the waiting. Um, and then just one thing I think everyone's doing is another W, just keep what does worship look like in the atmosphere of your life? What is, I see it everywhere, right? Don't we, we just see this worship happen everywhere, like in your homes, have it on, just keep teaching your sold to worship so I'm I'm grateful for your wisdom I'm grateful for this conversation I actually feel like this moment online that we get the chance to record and take public is exactly what I think is happening all over the world is these moments yes, yes exactly. happening on FaceTime and they're happening like when we don't have to be in the same room and so I yeah. pray these conversations are happening everywhere yeah, I love how practical you were too, Kathy, right down to the toilet paper and, and the disinfectant wipes. Um, but really just this call to um, continue in radical generosity in a season mm -hmm. that our country is um, pulling back in protectionism. Um, Jesus and his kingdom is one of abundance. And so really stepping forward in courage with, with radical generosity in, in every way. And um, even I hear generosity in, in your message and your commission to today, um, Vanessa in the way that you bring your, your messages and your gifts. And as we all do that in different ways, whether it's a word of encouragement, yeah, a text message, um, a, a smile, someone on the street, whatever it is, um, let's do that. Let's be that radical generosity and respond differently um, than we would without God because we've got him and he's got us. I think I just want to piggyback on Vanessa's word of find the new. And so we're just so used to the regular rhythm of our lives that now that that sort of disrupted and put us in a place where we actually can lean into our creativity. And so I, I would encourage everybody to lean into that because it's been sitting there, whether you've accessed it or not, you know, you can make a lot of things with empty toilet paper rolls. And so maybe you need to do that. I don't know, but just to find the creativity that was deposited in you and find ways to do that. And I guess also this, this service, I mean, we serve in the areas that we're called. Now we get to serve in the areas that we may not have considered before. And I think particularly of um, those that are vulnerable right now, those opportunities are wide open for us. And so 
that's a challenge for me personally uh, to step outside my normal ways of serving and put myself in those places. So I too think that this is a fortuitous moment. I think it's a Kairos moment. There's nobody else I'd rather have this conversation with in this moment than both of you. I acknowledge your wisdom and that you're leaning in. And I think too, like those that will rise will rise and those that will plateau will plateau and those that will fall off (laughs) will fall off. And if this is about leadership and influence, we're just encouraging all of you out there to rise, to choose to influence, to choose to lead the way for others that are struggling. And we don't put any faith in our own ability, but we do put stock in our calling and that we will do our best to lead well. And we're committed to you and we're committed to this nation and we're committed to the church and mission committed to the daughters of the house. And so while God gives us health and strength, I I think for all of us, I can safely say in our areas of ministry and beyond that we are just committed to be here for you as long as we can and to serve you in, in the ways that God helps us to see creatively. So we hope that this is just the first of many um, words of encouragement that we can bring to you in the future. Is that a plan girls? Totally. Okay, I'm going to sign off. We love you. Thanks so much, Caitlin. Thanks so much, Vanessa. Thanks, Kathy. Thank you. I wanted to let you know that the three of us found this conversation quite powerful for each of us and actually quite emotional. And I found myself taking notes as I listened to the wisdom of Caitlin and Vanessa to think of isolation in any other way than loneliness was a great new thought for me to consider that actually it can be protection. It can be a rich time, not just being lonely. And then when Vanessa shared about fear, not taking it to the end of so what, but also asking the question, well, what, what is new here? What is new? What is new? And so those two things alone, and then also the idea of holding both surrender and strategy Um, together in a time where both are needed. We don't really have the control that we thought, so we need to surrender the outcome, but we also can be involved in very active strategy, day by day, step by step. So we love you girls out there. And guys, if you're listening, we just want to encourage you and let you know that there will be more of these times coming in the days and weeks ahead. There is uh, great wisdom, uh, great encouragement that we can all be giving each other. So stay close, follow us, uh, send us an email at hello at gatherwomen.com. We are here to serve you and we're here to encourage you to rise in your moments and to consider that perhaps you were meant to have a visible presence and a voice that is heard for such a time as this. And if that is your call, We're here to support you and champion you in that. So take care, everyone. Be well until we talk again. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Her Influence Podcast. Download and share this episode and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Go to gatherwomen.com for show notes, resources, and events in your area. We invite you to join the movement to hear the voices of women represented in equal value and strength in all kingdom conversations, and to see the presence of women in equal value and strength in every area of influence. And now, rise in purpose and influence your world with real voices, bold words, and whole hearts.